three, two, one. System in Seoul, thanks for joining us today. Today's going to be a fun conversation. Jason Ogden is here, and Jason was on our podcast doing a little kind of visionary operator conversation with Craig Guffey probably a year or two ago. But Jason has been consistently uh, the yin to my yang and a great balance of conversation, new emerging trends, and maybe one of my favorite people to argue with on topics that we don't agree on. But today we're, um, we, we're kind of just pressing record because we were getting into a conversation that I think can benefit all of us right now. And it really lies at the, uh, the intersection between uh, what is brand, how are we portraying brand, and uh, what is our culture. And if we think about those two, as similar, but culture being internal and brand being external in a Venn diagram sort of way, there's an overlap that, that uh, needs to be authentic to both of those. But we all know that there's been a lot of change over the last two years, um, especially in you know what we're, we're calling the great resignation, hard to hire, hard to find people and uh, at the internally. And then at the same time, marketing shifting external. So uh, Jason, welcome back. What primed you getting so intentionally focused on this, this idea and synthesizing some of these ideas? Yeah. So, you know, it kind of came from some different perspectives, I guess. Um, number one, we're like any other business, we're in the hiring um, business and the frequency with which we've hired has increased, especially over the trailing 12 months, maybe 14, 16, especially. So we're getting a lot of uh, repetitions in terms of what's going on and what people are thinking uh, in the marketplace. And another sort of aspect around hiring was, you know, within our services uh, that we provide our clients, we've always uh, identified during sales uh, talent as a potential audience for marketing services and had relatively few takers historically and the number of clients who want to put resources around marketing to uh, their existing clients, or I'm sorry, to, uh, to attracting talent has skyrocketed, especially the back half of, of this particular year. And kind of the third sort of basis for the, for the idea was even if um, in-person things that were completely shut off returns, I think we can all agree that it's not going to return to the degree um, that it, that it was there. And when you're operating in B2B world, so much historically of sales funnels were generated through, you know, the serendipity of in-person conversation, be it at networking conferences, you know, whatever uh, it may be. And although the business need to find customers and find talent hasn't changed, um, the ways that we're going to be doing that, I think is permanently changed because you're going to see a contraction in opportunities uh, of the serendipity uh, variety and many more of the conversations that used to start in real world places are going to start online now. And um, that's really where the, the connection points to potency of, of brand and message, um, you know, kind of started to, to come about. 
I'm going to, I'm going to start right where you left off because it's interesting. You say start online. Um, you know, my, my mind went straight to, you know, being at a huge trade show where you're almost introduced to these new companies there. And then you go home and you start a conversation. Is that flipping? You know, it's a, it's a great point and a great question. Um, I think we've all kind of at this point taken for granted the hop on a call video call to do X, Y, and Z in terms of the operational part of our business. Um, by and large, I think sales um, has adapted to what it takes to, um, to win business in today's world. But what's continuing to shift is that starting of the conversation and how do you start the conversation? Right. I, I just, I think that it's, it's not where it's going to be necessarily yet, but I think the, the, the shift has, has begun. Why, why is it hard to start a conversation in the digital world? And what have you seen work? <laughs> I know sure. you're, I know you're a fan of really crappy introduction. <laughs> like you have a collection of crappy cold emails that you keep just like on the wall of shame. So what is the antidote? Because at some degree, we're all shooting in the dark, trying to, to shoot our shot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to your point, um, there's was probably a point in history where those crappy cold emails, um, for example, were effective and it probably had something to do with the fact that, um, it just occurred in an environment that didn't have as much going on, um, as we currently do. So there's a little bit of, of a focus of, um, you know, standing out, right? Uh, we, if we're in a metropolitan area and you're listening to this, you're probably getting exposed to somewhere around 10,000 unique messages per day through advertising, social, text, phone calls, emails, you know, the whole gamut uh, of things that we interact with in our society. And, you know, the competition to stand out um, and to even get noticed is, is you know, that's just been a trend that, that's pre-pandemic. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's not slowing down and that's certainly not slowing down on the digital space, right? Cause there's no limits to, to how much that can, that can grow. So just sheer volume, um, is a, is a part of it. So you have, not only do you need to get people's attention in a more competitive environment, um, you need to do the second part, which is do something stand out in some meaningful way. That's going to want to make them raise their hand and, and reach out to you. So it's both getting noticed and, you know, pulling them down the funnel a little bit um, by, by standing out and being interesting. Yeah, there was, um, I, I will admit to getting, I was the subject of the, you know, go find something clever on the person's profile and drop that in the email. Like, oh, I really like that article you wrote or, you know, friend sent it to me. And, you know, that caught on pretty quick that that was, you know, just uh, a baited, loaded lead gen, you know, clickbait for them. Uh, and so now like those are an absolute no. Cause like, you know, it went from being a positive, yes. right. Of like, I was doing something unique, even if they were, at least they were working for it. And now it's almost the lazy way. Whereas, you know, um, I'm a sucker for you drop a couple really good 
kind of animated gifts in an email and, and, and you know, that I can relate mm. to, you've got some old school in there with Will Ferrell doing something stupid. And I'm like, all right, this, this person's got a personality and, and they might not suck to get on the phone with. So I like this, this idea of, of shifting to digital first. There's a, there's a piece of it that you and I have talked about in the shift to digital uh, remaining human right? Like it's, it's not shift to digital and like, let's get all, let's make sure our CM CRM's kicking out all these emails. It's like, how do we shift to digital and actually be more human in that environment than we would have, you know, showing up at the trade show or mm-hmm. serendipitous at the coffee shop. And do you have any like insights mm-hmm. or pointers or thoughts of, of how we can do that and what, what this shift to digital first can look like and to accelerate the humanity of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, outstanding question. Yeah. So back to your point on the sort of gimmicky, I noticed this kind of personalized approach around, um, you know, I get several of those a week and they almost always are really just highlighting the fact that the sender doesn't in any way know me or what my business is up to, but right. they're trying to, right? right. Like it just, it seems so wildly out of context um, that it's a detriment, right? So um, not that. Um, I think one of the most common mis- you know, misperceptions that we see in the marketplace when prospects, when our prospects are thinking about marketing is you know, um, in some ways it's a golden age because there are so many ways to reach people um, in today's world. And that's great. But oftentimes, almost universally, they, the tactical things that we can do to reach people um, are thought about things that we can do to the audience, right? I'm going to do X, I'm going to do Y. And I think about it from my perspective outward, right? So like each one of the tactical outreach things is, is an arm and I'm just shooting all of my arms out into the universe. And very rarely do people think about, to your point, that the, the humanity uh, around it, which is what makes it effective, especially in, you know, B2B world where, you know, relationships are so critical uh, to long-term success is it's not thought about from the perspective of the recipient, it's thought about from your perspective, am I doing all those things that I can do versus what should I do to best help my audience um, in ways in ways that they respect and that they need um, and that, that isn't an annoyance to them. Hey, podcast listeners, Chris White here. I want to challenge you with something today. Now, this might sting a little bit. You ready? All right, here it is. Are you limiting your capacity as a leader? We know you're experienced in the world of business, entrepreneurship, and leadership development. We know you're smart, intentional, business-savvy folks. But are you playing too small? One of the greatest steps you can take after years of leading a company or organization is to become a coach for other businesses. I've been a business coach for over 20 years after a 20-year corporate career, and I'm here to tell you, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. It is the most rewarding and gratifying thing that I have ever done in my career. And this is also why Benj Miller and I created System and Soul. 
We're training coaches right now to help small businesses everywhere experience breakthrough in both the system and the soul side of their business. If you're ready to expand your capacity and create impact like never before, then let's go. Get on my calendar, let's book a call, and I'm happy to introduce you to System and Soul. For more information, visit systemandsoul.com forward slash coach and set up your phone call today. Do you have any examples from the last month or two that have actually won you over? Because I know you, if, just a warning out there, if you cold email Jason, you're <laughs> subject to be putting through a litany of, barrage, you know, you're, you are either the top of the list or the bottom of the list. So it better be good. Do you have any winners? Well, to your point, you know, I, there was one that, basically acknowledged through the first person narrative, this is a cold sales email. And I know that you hate getting them and you probably get thousands or something to that effect. And that was much more, not only just authentic, um, but they showed that they know me in a way that somebody who's citing what college I went to or what groups I'm a part of, you just could, could never do. So there was some real empathy in that. And because they were being honest um, with with the issue of you know being outreached to in a cold kind of way and, and how that is often experienced, like I, ha- I have to admit, I had a little bit higher than normal trust level um, for these guys. Okay. So I, I did respond um, and start the conversation. It wasn't a, something that we needed, um, but I did respond because of that. Yeah, that that's an interesting um, point. Is you know, you can't even respond to all of these cold emails that you get. But if they hit me the right way, I'll at least say I'm not the right person or I'm set in this area and give them the courtesy of taking me off their list versus just block, ignore, whatever. That's good. All right. So shift to digital. That was your third. I honestly did not catch your first. So we'll come back to that. But the second one's really interesting because you and I have have talked about this for a very long time as a competitive advantage, but there is in the great resignation in the talent crisis, this is so huge. And now our clients are are coming and asking for it. So it's, it's the idea of, are you marketing for hiring? Talk us through, talk us through what that actually means. Cause that might even be like a brand new thought for somebody. Mm -hmm. So the, the, yeah, I think that oftentimes it is, um, it's, it's just a new way of thinking, but the reality is that the fundamentals and a great number of the available tactics that you would deploy when you're trying to uh, reach new customers would be same similar as you do to attract talent. Okay. Now the exact places, uh, where talent might be could be a little different. They might be on different social platforms, for example, but the fundamentals and the tactical things are exactly the same. So uh, the best way that I would advise people to think about it is you've got just different audiences who occupy a full stage funnel and they're your clients, they're your strategic partners, and they're your talents. And you need to grow and develop sales funnels uh, around all of those audiences. Yeah. I bet that's going to challenge some people in the moment that have really never thought about that. It's, it's one of those uh, ideas of like, 
the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, right? <laughs> right. The second best mm-hmm. time is right now because, mm-hmm. you know, if we lose a key hire and we don't have a bench um, and we also don't have a pipeline, two separate thoughts, but that mm-hmm. pipeline, you know, that um, a, a key hire right now could take six months and that could be detrimental for the business or for the leader who then has to go jump in and, and play that role. So getting proactive, intentional, um, you and I have, you know, just as you uh, love to criticize cold emails, we talk uh, and joke about glass door reviews as well, right? Like this is the Yelp for, for uh, what, what Yelp is for marketing for businesses, glass door is for this recruiting for businesses. And I'm always shocked, A, how many people don't know about glass doors? Owners, owners, all the employees know. The owners are oblivious. Um, they've put zero intentionality in, into curating that. Um, and then, you know, they're trying to recruit and they're working uphill because some, you know, people aren't taking a call. They're not interested, which gets us to, I'm, I'm ranting here a little bit. But it gets us to Glassdoor is a reflection of what's going on mm. in the culture. So it's that it's that moment, the reality check between what we're marketing as our culture versus what our culture actually is, which can be a scary kind of uh, vulnerable place to be. And you and I both know that everybody has a voice and that's not always good because we get some crazies. <laughs> the crazies are the, want to, the ones that want... And, and, you know, we've got some of the craziest. If you want to know some crazy stuff about Jason and, and Bench, you can go look that up on Glassdoor and, and get a couple chuckles or get really skeptical of us, one of the two. But, um, like, what, what, how does that play into this new world of recruiting? Like, I bet, I bet right now, just me ranting, somebody's having a light bulb moment of, like, we can't hire anybody oh my gosh, I've never thought about our glass door and what that is telling people before they even show up. Yeah. So, you know, two, two things. Um, the, the first thing is even as, you know, direct and and endorsing of glass door as you just were, I just don't think you can overstate how important it is um, because it isn't what you're saying about yourself from that marketing thing that we're talking about up until this point in the conversation. It's what people who work for you, it's who people who used to work with you. It's, it's even now it's people who have just interviewed with you. And, and there's a subset of how was the interview process? What yeah. were they like? Yeah. And, and, and those types of things. So that's happening. Uh, and you just, you cannot understate, you know, overstate how significant that is on the one hand, the good news. That's like is, Bumble asking everybody who didn't get a second date, how the first date well, went. <laughs> that's probably a separate conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree. Um, you're not going to create a lot of fans for people that you don't end up hiring. So there's definitely some uh, maybe moral hazard um, in that piece, but you know, they're trying to innovate their platform. Sure. Um, sure. But the good news for you know, business owners and business leaders is it's not like there are 50 different glass doors that you're trying to keep up with and stay on top of. And you have to manage all this. There's one and there's one credible. And that's to your point, you need to not only do a good house cleaning uh, and get it on brand and get it potent, 
Um, but you have to cultivate it. You know, you have to make part of your onboard, set yourself a reminder six or nine months down the road to ask your new hires, Hey, how are we doing? And make sure that you write a review, good, bad, or ugly. We need, we need it out there. Make sure that yeah. you're doing the things you need to do to cultivate it. That's right. And, and just to pull that back and plug, you know, system and soul for a second, that's why this idea of engineering culture and the, the culture building tool exists and lives in there. And Jason was actually, you know, very in, uh, instrumental over years of just how to simplify that. And just what are the organizational habits that we have to have that create the attributes that ultimately we would want somebody to write about. We would want people to use these words because a long time ago we said, that's what the words we would want somebody to write. Right. And not that we're Mm -hmm. not that we're scripting our employees, but that we're doing the things that would lead them to feel that way and think that way and, and act that way. So that's, that's really good. So, um, do we go as far as like full, I was, you know, knocking this a minute ago, but in the recruiting as marketing, is that like funnels and landing pages and CRMs and, uh, you know, targeted campaigns? Do we go that far? In in some cases, yes. I mean, it, it somewhat depends on what are your current and future needs, right? So we have some clients who are hiring hundreds of people in the next two years. And, you know, those people are 100% in that category. Yes, no doubt. You, you cannot leave any stone unturned. Um, as far as, you know, your specific campaigns, um, it, it, you, you at least want some place where um, there's designated properties um, for an applicant to go that lines up with hey, you're only going to get this one shot and it's probably the top half of a landing page, for example. Make sure that you're getting um, that, whatever it is that is in your case, that you're getting it across uh, to them in that moment. And then as far as CRM, like, I mean, I'm going to share one, uh, an example with you now, 100%, you had better be capturing everybody who ever applies um, now and into the future because to your point um, about planting a tree 20 years ago, uh, I'm actively um, recruiting someone to join my team right now. And I went back through past applicants, um, which we, we leave a lot of opportunities open uh, on the website um, so that that pipeline does fill so that we're not in a, in a total you know, reactive state. And I outreached last week to maybe eight um, past applicants that just happened to reach out at a time uh, where we didn't have an opening and they weren't, um, you know, it, yeah. there wasn't anything to talk about, but they, you know, they on paper, they have the right profile. Um, and I've reached out and I'm setting those appointments up uh, first one of those tomorrow. So a hundred percent, you'd better capture um, all your talent in the same way you would uh, if they were a customer. That's awesome. And one of our uh, favorite employees who's now, you know, obviously key leader you just shared this morning that you made her an offer, a, what, a year, year and a half? What did you say before she came on board, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, our current uh, managing director um, started out with us as an account lead. Uh, she's on the account team with us and I'd extended her an offer in 2014 and she chose to uh, go stay with her current company and uh, follow the World Cup um, and go be a part of that. 
And a little over a year later, um, that was all wrapped up and done. And, and she was in Atlanta and we crossed paths and I got her on board and um, now she's six years with us. Yeah. And so often we think about or uh, hiring as this transactional type thing, but you know, um, man, I just, I had a quote, I, I have no idea where this came from. I was flipping through a, one of my old um, notebooks this morning and it said, hire for the future, not the role. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we're hiring for the role, it's transactional, just get the person in there right now. They can do the thing. And there are some roles in companies that you just hire for the role. But when we're talking about leadership and we're talking about growing an organization and growing people, I love this idea of just hire for the future, you know, and, and that's a great example of finding the right person and then, you know, cultivating it for the right time. So, all right, we got points two and three, and somehow I, I missed what the first one was. Take us all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Well, so you got the, you got the first two, which were digital first in terms of attracting customers and attracting um, talent to join your organization. And then the third one, which is brand to engineer culture, right? Okay. You say, right, but I have no idea what you just said. So, (laughs) I mean, if I was listening, I probably didn't, I don't know what that means. So talk about that. What does that, what does that entail? Okay. So this, uh, issue has always been true. It is a heightened, um, to put it mildly, um, moment right now, which is business leaders by and large, not all, but by and large have a challenge in being the leaders of engineering culture intentionally. Okay. And some of it is because they just don't even understand what we're talking about. Like, what does that even mean? culture of of my business. And if you asked 10 different people, what, not just to describe what their culture was like, but what are we even talking about? And you can scour LinkedIn right now and you'll see a lot of conversations and how do I drive culture in Mm. a distributed workforce world? Yeah. Okay. And sometimes it's around what are your benefits? Sometimes it's around how do we communicate with each other? Do we do it audio only? Do we do it video? Some of it's around what kind of fun do we have together and how frequently some of it's around how often do we meet in person? Yeah. Do we do hybrid work? I mean, it's yeah. just all over the place, the present yeah. conversation. And it, it, that just really speaks to um, so many companies are lacking the core building blocks to even make good decisions um, and get intentional about engineering it, um, the culture that they want. So to your point about organizational habits, um, you can just pull those out of the sky um, or they're just going to happen because they're going to happen by default. But if you want to engineer culture, you've got to make a lot of very strategic decisions about what your company looks and feels and acts like, um, and then make decisions based on that. And I, I don't think a lot of people are doing it. And a lot of people don't understand the connection of the two as they're trying to go forward um, in a new reality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. All those things then become tools, right? Like all those examples of the culture conversations, those can be part of the conversation, but those are a means to the end. Not Those aren't the end. Um, and I like that lens. All right. So uh, tell people you, you are relational by nature and um, 
enjoy a good pontification. So if somebody wanted to talk more about these things or was looking to, to get a kickstart on some of these things, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will answer your email. Uh, no doubt. Um, Jason at syrup marketing is the fastest, best, best, easy way. Uh, and then from there, um, you know, whatever method of communication is, is best for you. Um, my ethos is to, to help you with your business challenges, whether that means us working together, you working with one of our strategic partners, or you just having a different way to think about your issues and realizing maybe it's not a real problem or it's not something you, you need to address right now. Yeah. Great. And, and I appreciate that. It sounds like you're open to any conversations, the people that you work with, the companies that you work most specifically at syrup marketing is who? Yes. So we're built for the lower middle market. So the 65 million and under crowd is who we are exclusively engineered uh, to serve everything that we do. And the way that we do it uh, is for them. And we found that our uh, blend of services and our growth model fits really, really well um, with B2B service companies and B2B software companies. Got it. Awesome. Jason, thanks for hanging out and uh, sharing our conversation with our whole community. Have a great holiday. As well. Same to you. Thanks for having me. Yep. System and Soul, we'll see you next week.